0: listening to Anchored in Love podcast, a part of a dream birthed during a season of great personal change, challenge, and circumstance. Anchored in Love was encouraged by my husband, motivated by my mama, and set to serve any willing to listen. Through sharing personal walks of endurance and perseverance, my prayer is that this can become home to anyone who is seeking healing, extended from the hearts of those who are currently experiencing it. Guys, happy December. I have to say that this Christmas season has already been full of fun in our home. Silas seems to have hit just the perfect age. You know, where he's no longer terrified of blinking lights, the chubby man in the white beard, and everything in the world singing? Now, he's fascinated with it all, and I'm completely shocked at how much I'm enjoying loving and seeing him in love with it all. Okay. So, I have to share this with the world because I believe it to be the sweetest thing yet. But Silas has started to sing Oh Christmas Tree ever since we put up our tree. And though he only repeats one phrase, it's super sweet. And because I don't only ever want to give you guys voice clips that make you cry of other people, here is Oh Christmas Tree featuring Silas James. Enjoy. <laughs> That was super cute, wasn't it? (laughs) He's ignited a new excitement in me for the holidays, and for that, I am thankful. It's funny how there always seems to be a balance to everything when we look for it and we seek perspective. Because if I'm honest with you, I didn't anticipate using any positive adjectives to describe my feelings for this holiday season. That's the funny thing about hurt and about grief it surprises you it sneaks up on you when you don't expect it in the middle of a daily mundane task there it is I was washing my dishes after giving the boys lunch the other day and as I rinsed the pan with my hands I heard my mom saying I told you not to use a fork on that Lauren (laughs) don't worry I didn't I learned my lesson thankfully on her pots and not my own but the small scratch on the bottom of the pan somehow made her voice appear out of nowhere and I had a pause until Silas's demand of all done, please, <laughs> required my attention to get him out of the high chair. But still, I was a little shook. See, <laughs> hurt and pain, it causes you to say and to think things that would seem crude or strange to, to someone else even. I was shopping with my family, <laughs> and as we walked into the store, I looked down, saw the abundance of cracks in the pavement, and I literally sang out loud. Step on a crack and break your mother's back. Too bad she's dead. And I chuckled. That may seem crazy to you. I know that Jeremy looked at me, and he was in shock, in part humor, and he just said, Baby. He had no idea what to do in the moment, poor man. But see, I didn't either. It just came out. A crack in the pavement caused me to remember in what may seem a very desensitized and outward expression. It did. It just caused me to remember her. I felt like I had no control over it in that moment. That's just what it does. It surprises you. It surprises you in how you express yourself and how it comes out. Never judge someone who is healing. Don't take offense to what they say because it's a process. As odd as it may seem, in that moment I smiled because I knew my mom would see the sarcastic humor and ridiculousness of it all. Even now, I awkwardly giggle when I tell you about it, while simultaneously fighting back tears. It's so complicated sometimes, that even my body doesn't know what emotion to express in the moment. I hate that. (laughs) I do. It seems to somehow feel ever-present. Grief, pain, hurt. It's always there when you're sad, mad, and whatever one-syllable uh, one feeling word you want to throw in there, you feel it 100%. But then there's those times where I'm not, where you're not, times where you're perfectly happy. And it, the hurt, the absence, whatever it is, feels non-existent. And it's great for a moment. Yet somehow all that good gets converted to guilt for me because in the quiet stillness, my mind says this isn't right. It's not perfectly okay because she's not here for all of it. She's not here to share in it. Even more, as I think about it, if she were here, I wouldn't be sharing all of it with her. I just wouldn't. Some of it, yes, but not all of it. Still, I get sad about something that I know wouldn't be the case even if she were here. That's silly, that's hurt, that's pain, and that is grief. It is real. Even though I may hold my standards to things that wouldn't happen even if she was here, the thing I hate most is that I no longer even have the option of sharing it with her. That's what has been robbed from me. Can't send her pictures of Silas seeing Santa at Jeremy's Christmas party. First time he's actually excited. <laughs> I can't call her and complain about shopping lines or whatever it might be, that option is gone. And then I get more sad as I think about it because I realize it's not just this one that she's missing, but all the ones to come. And that is heavy. I get angry as I anticipate the years to come. Then I get overwhelmed with fear that maybe the sadness in her absence will fade, And then what of her memory? Then I circle back to guilt because I'm crying and I'm not present now with my husband, my kids, my friend, whoever I should be there for in the moment because I'm wrapped up in this circle of ridiculousness, but it's true. Stupid, I know, but it happens It all happens because I think that guilt is so much easier for me to allow myself, for us to allow ourselves, than grace, regardless of the things that it brings. I hope you're listening and you're nodding your head and understanding, (laughs) but it's maybe a little more likely that you're shaking it in confusion because it sounds like nonsensical ramblings, but they aren't. I'm sorry I'm not better at this. (laughs) The hardest part of AIL is all of it. There I go again, not making sense. The whole mission is to heal, and this is helping me. And I pray that it's helping others, but the hardest part is trying to articulate something that I myself am still processing. So that's where you get what may appear as nonsensical ramblings, but I'm trying, I'm trying, and thank you for bearing with me. In that process, though, I don't want to ever appear that I have it all figured out, or even partially figured out, because trust me, I don't. I've shared with you a couple examples of my daily encounters with grief, but let's get real. Let's talk about the raw hurts. I feel silly even (laughs) about to say this to you, but I'm going to, judge me if you may. (laughs) Since November, I haven't been able to shower alone. Meaning that I haven't been able to shower in the bathroom by myself with my thoughts alone. I don't need help showering or anything like that, (laughs) but me alone with a closed door, nothing there to distract me. I haven't been able to do that since November. Instead, and as embarrassing as it is to admit, I take my phone in the bathroom and I turn on some mindless Netflix something or another. Just something distracting enough to allow my mind semi-focus on a meaningless topic That it may not wander to the reality, which is my pain and my hurt. In the stillness and in the quiet. (laughs) Or sometimes I might kill two birds with one stone and shower with my baby. (laughs) Again, something that eliminated the possibility of me feeling. Why do I do that? Why do I do that? Why do we do that? Why do we make excuses? Why do I avoid I know that healing comes through those moments in the stillness. Whoa, that was country. <laughs> in the stillness and the quiet. I know the hurt is a predecessor to the healing. I know that. But instead, I avoid and I choose apathy because I would rather not feel anything than to feel the deep, Um, the deep... <laughs> I don't even know what word to follow that because none seem accurate enough. But it's there, this deep, hollow, heavy, all at the same time, something. <laughs> but I don't wanna choose apathy. I do want to feel. It's just easier not to. So, friends, listeners, you are my accountability as I share this today. I will shower alone. <laughs> Me, my thoughts, and all the stinking feels. I will. Now that might sound a little silly. If so, that's fine. But I recognize this as a needed step to my healing. You see, <laughs> the shower's always been a needed task in my daily life. And not just for some hygienic purpose. Um, the shower's always been where I think. It's where I've, It's been where I pray. Where new ideas are birthed. And where to-do lists are mentally created. Then it became a private sanctuary when I entered motherhood. (laughs) It was a place where I finally was alone and I could seek refreshment. The showers meant a lot of things to me. So now I've robbed myself of even those luxuries. That's so silly. As I speak it now, the whole thing seems illogical. But sometimes matters of the heart and the soul are just that, I suppose. Illogical. You know, my mom passed in the end of March and it wasn't until eight months later that this whole shower avoidance thing started. I shower, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Eight months later, it starts. I have to ask myself why. Why? And when I finally was brave enough to do so, I understood. I understood that it was the holiday season and my anticipation that the deep lack of her absence That's what triggered it. Preparing myself for family dinners and celebration where she wasn't simply made me angry. My bitterness, my selfishness, and my flesh began to surface. See, when my mom was in the hospital for her last and final stay, my dad lived there with her. Literally. The man was a saint. And this meant that my little brother was home often by himself. And while they were all surrounded by the most amazing community who always offered to help in whatever way that they could, sometimes being around family can be a little more settling. So our little family moved into my parents' house for over a month. My husband, myself, our two-year-old, and our 30-week-old in utero. We moved back home. (laughs) And it wasn't ever even a question or even a hesitation. Remember what I said about my husband being great? It's because he is. This was all his initiative. Anyway, for the three weeks prior to my mom's passing, I showered in her shower. This was the shower I would often find myself in in the mornings before school as I was growing up when my brothers were taking too long in the hallway bathroom. The shower I would grunt responses to my mom from when she would attempt conversation with me too early in the morning for my taste while she did her hair and makeup. It was the place I never really thought about before. But then it became the place where I desperately pleaded with the Lord for her healing and for her life. I would wake up, get Silas ready, ensure by ensure my little brother got to school, and send Jeremy and Silas off for their day. I appeared fine, I suppose. But then I would step into that shower, and the masked courage that I showed everyone else, or at least attempted to, it would just dissolve And in its place came utter dependence on the Lord in that shower. I prayed, I demanded, spoke in tongues, gave thanksgiving, and I stood there in silence. (sighs) Then I would step out. I would take a deep breath and get myself ready for the heavy day ahead. I would stare at myself in the mirror as I put on my waterproof mascara. I bought that after my mom's first week in the hospital, learned my lesson there. And I told myself, a miracle is on its way. And I held on to that. We do that. We believe for the miracle until the end, don't we? The Lord is sovereign. Even now I have to remind myself of that truth often. Though at times my finite self can't seem to grasp it because that dang shower transformed for me once again. After my mom's passing, we still stayed at my parents' house for about two weeks. And for those two weeks, it became a place that I felt I could cry freely because I told myself that running down my face was shower water, not an endless supply of tears. As I hid myself and I mourned her, that's what that shower became, a place for me to get it all out. It was where I argued with, questioned, and doubted the Lord. It was where I confronted the betrayal that I felt from Him. Because I see so many others healed daily. But she wasn't. At least not on this side of heaven, she wasn't. That stupid shower. It no longer felt safe. But now it was just necessary. Because it was the only place that I felt like I could get it all out. And spare the world from my reality. Then I left it. And I returned home. And I was somehow able to compartmentalize all of that to her shower and be foolish enough to think that's where I left it. Because home in my shower, it didn't hold such memories. I was able to shower like normal. Well, at least for eight months. Then November comes and my hurt from her absence was transformed again to bitterness. And now my safe home shower only brought memories of her shower where I pleaded and mourned. My safe shower now forced stillness and quiet on me, and I had to feel. So bring on the Netflix and the babies. (laughs) Now I've gone from that weirdo that has to take Netflix into the shower as a distraction to the weirdo that talks on a podcast to a sea of virtual strangers about how I can and will shower like a normal person. Strike a power pose. (laughs) <laughs> it all sounds silly, I know. I feel strange sharing these things even with you. But more than silly, I feel exposed. And not in the way most people would when they're talking about showering. <laughs> I feel exposed because this shower complex that I've developed is a tangible evidence that I'm hurting. And that makes me feel weak. No matter what I tell myself or how hard I try to avoid, Or pretend to be apathetic. I know now that I am very much affected. I don't share this in search of your pity, tears, or even understanding. Just by me saying all of this out loud and to myself, I get a little bit better. I share this to let any of you out there who finds themselves with some kind of self-made complex or another, that you are not alone. I share to show that hurt, pain, grief affects us all in different and unexpected ways. Ways that I don't think are always found in a psych or self-help book. Ways that are unique to you, to your hurt, your walk, your experience. Because that's what all of this is. It's yours. Your pain, your grief, your fill-in-the-blank. And I don't even want to pretend that I know exactly how to feel because I hate that phrase. I know exactly how you feel. No, you don't. (laughs) This is my walk. It may look similar to yours or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But I know that we exist together to learn from and lean on one another. And there's always one person who does know exactly how and what you're going through. And the best news of all is that he knows exactly what you need. So, to my home shower I go to cry, to feel, to pray, to listen, to think, but best of all, to heal.
1: Another thing about Lauren, I always called her my anchor. She held things together, whether it was Bible quiz, you could count on her to pull it out, whether it was life, dance, soccer, school. She's an anchor, she's strong, and she's an anchor. God made her an anchor for everybody. And I know it's hard, but you can be that anchor even after I'm gone. And I know that it's hard because you're going to miss me. But I need you to persevere and be that anchor. And it's a lot to ask. But I know that you can do it. You've got it in you. And I've always called you that told you that, and that's what you are. And I love you for that. I'm going to miss you so much. My, My girl. My one and only girl.